that video yesterday, that was something that uh, Paul kind of dropped on me. I was like, I'll check it out. And I watched it and I thought, oh, rope's pretty good. It's a pretty good illustration. Um, well, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm excited to be with you today, this evening. This is the uh, first time I've had an opportunity to talk about evangelism in a setting like this. Um, most of my evangelistic experiences come through trial and error. Uh, good bit of error, you know, good bit of trial. <laughs> but uh, it's been a lot of fun. So we're going to talk about a few different things. Um, I think we're going to possibly do a little Q&A at some point. So if you have something that you're writing with, uh, that you can write a question down, Feel free to write it down at the end. We'll, we'll have opportunity for that. I may or may not be able to answer it, but we'll give it a shot. So, but we'll go ahead and pray real quick. Uh, Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to uh, be amongst friends and family and uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Holy Spirit, just ask you to just invade this time, invade our space. Um, God, we want to just encounter you everywhere we go, and Father, I just ask that a greater revelation of your heart toward humanity would be revealed uh, during this time together. I just uh, say let every ear be opened and um, to hear what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start off by just reading you guys a quick quote. Um, Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. Make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. Uh, Jim Elliott. So that was a quote by Jim Elliott, and I read it in a book that was really, really good on evangelism called Do What Jesus Did by this guy named Robbie Dawkins. And that was a quote at the beginning of the first chapter, and it just kind of stuck with me. Because the reality is, our lives should reflect Christ in the way that it causes people to think about the nature of God or who God is and, and, and what that looks like in their life. So... I just wanted to start off with that, something to think about. But really, before we get a lot farther, we're going to kind of kind of do some stuff out of the box. Because I know this is, I hope I make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> this is a goal. Because evangelism is outside of the box, period. Like, if you're here, I'm assuming that you, you may already have a pretty good grid for evangelism. Or you, you may be at a place where, like, you want to know more about evangelism. So... Just straight out the gate, evangelism is out of the box. So you might as well accept that in a safe environment that it is. It's, it's not something that it, it can be uncomfortable. It can cause you to feel uncomfortable. Um, it's a lot of fun. We'll let these guys get their, their stuff. Hey, are oh, you good? So you came, you came just in time because I was just about to you know, try to make people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> this is perfect. You didn't miss anything. You, know, you didn't miss the good stuff. So, now, like I said, evangelism's outside of the box. And so, one of the things, even about teaching, I'm not necessarily a, a teacher, and I've been in teaching environments, but like Paul is saying, some things are better caught than taught. And I hope 
my goal is that this could be kind of an interactive time uh, for all of us because I know for me personally, I, I tend to be like I'm kind of a hands-on learner. Like I'm the guy that like I get some notes and I'll get stuff and then eventually I'm just kind of like trying to wake myself up. So this is not what this is not what this is going to be. So evangelism is outside the box. So I want to see if I could get a volunteer. Anybody want to want to be a volunteer? You don't have to really do anything. I mean, it's not a big deal. You want to, all right, all you got to do is stand right there and just, just say, really, as loud as you can, just say, just say, I love Jesus. I love, I love Jesus. Yeah, I mean, really, let it go. I love Jesus! There you go. It says, I love Jesus! Anybody else want to do it? Somebody else try it out. I know, I know you're thinking, why is he doing this? But really, this is, this is if you feel a little uncomfortable right now, that's okay. I mean, really, evangelism will put you in opportunities that are uncomfortable. But the, the, the whole idea behind it is that you've got to get to a place where you don't allow the fact that you're uncomfortable to dictate what you do in a moment. Um, that's one of the biggest things I've learned about. I can remember a time that I was, uh, I was in a hair salon many years ago, and uh, I was getting my, about to get a haircut. It's just kind of, it just sounds funny, but... But I was in there, and I was a younger man. I don't even think I was married yet. And, and I really was like just, I was kind of struggling. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to some hair salons. Like, everything culture, like, is, is kind of real sexualized and just everything about it. And I just really was kind of having one of those moments where the enemy was just like, kind of like, really messing with me. You know, so I got mad. I was like, oh. So I went and sat outside, and I was sitting there. And there was like this, this workout I don't know, all women's workout, like right down a couple, couple uh, block, right down the road, same business complex. I couldn't think of what it's called. And this girl walks out, and I looked over, and right away the enemy's like, blah, 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 you know. And I was like, you know what? It's like, oh, I've had it with this, you know, like, no. You know, I just got really angry about it. And I heard God say, he was like, why don't you go dance and why don't you go, like, turn some music on just just worship me in this parking lot. And I was like. Right, right now? It's like two in the afternoon. You know, it's like daylight. You know? it's normal business, normal operating hours, right? And, I, and it was like this. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I went over in my car, and um, I just turned on some music. And I thought, I worship right here, you know, right in this parking lot. I said, all right. So I just started jumping. And I, and I just closed my eyes and lifted my hands and just started singing. And the minute I did it, like, the presence of God just, like, fell so tangibly. Just in that moment. And just, just like, it just rolled all over me. Just rolled off of me. Just rolled out into the parking lot, you know. And next thing you know, I found myself in an encounter with God. And, like, suddenly, like, the battle was over, right? And, it, and it's not that it has to be that extreme all the time. And, and there was people, you know, parking and looking at me or whatever. And, but, you know, I was... At, by that point, I was motivated by love, so I was feeling, I was feeling pretty good a, about where I was at and, and what was happening at that moment, so I was good with it. But point being, like, in, in, that, in that moment, I know that may sound like, well, that's crazy, or, you know, I'm, I don't need to do that, or, or this or that, and, and you don't always need to do stuff like that, but in, in that moment, that was really, that was really beneficial uh, for me, but it caused me to step out of my comfortable place, you know? Yeah. 
uh, in order to get that victory or just to just to do it. So, yeah, I did, you know, I was going to kind of prod you, and we'll probably do it a few more times, because really, like, it really is, like, rule number one, you, you might feel uncomfortable, but too bad. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a condescending way or, or, like, degrading way. I just mean that, hey, welcome to being human. Welcome to living in a culture that doesn't um, make room for you, you know, the idea that God's going to lead you to the same person ten times in Walmart before you say hello to him is probably not going to happen. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want you to talk to him. But you have to get to a place where you're comfortable with expressing who God's called you to be and, and just getting out there. So that was, that's kind of like point number one. And, and great job, by the way. But, hey, we're going to be there, and it's going to be, it may or may not be, the perfect timing to do it, but it'll be necessary. It'll be fun. So I want to talk a little bit about evangelism. Some, some of you may have a, a grid for what it is. Uh, the Webster's Dictionary defines it as the winning of revival of personal commitments to Christ, uh, militant or crusading zeal. Um, to evangelize is to preach the gospel to convert to Christianity. My personal definition of evangelism would be a willingness and desire to go. So if you, if you read about the life of Jesus, it said Jesus went here. Jesus felt compelled to do this. He, you know, and so a big part of evangelism is having a heart and desire to go. So one thing, just looking at everybody in the room, we're, we're probably all at different places in this evangelism thing. Me, myself, like God is still always like challenging me to to go a little further you know do something a little more extravagant um and so we're all in this learning learning to express ourselves and, and what that looks like but uh one thing i was thinking about you know when i first became a believer you know i hadn't even read the bible and i didn't understand that matthew mark luke matthew mark and, and luke were the same uh, stories written from different viewpoints by different authors. You know, I remember reading through it the first time thinking, hey, this, this sounds kind of like what was going on in Matthew, you know, and then I'd read it, you know, and, and go through it like that, and it was, it was really interesting to me, but the fact that I had never read through, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before really didn't matter because when I first encountered God's love, it was so overwhelming to me that God loved me and he was happy with me and that he had found me, or, or rather I found myself in him, however you want to look at it, like just that realization that he loved me, like I felt like I had this desire to share that with people. Like I didn't even know what I was getting into, but I had this desire to give it to them. And so I would bring people to church and, and I, would, I was evangelizing my friends. I mean, really, I didn't even know what the gospel was, but I was telling them about Jesus and how much he loved them. And people were getting saved and, like, giving their lives to the Lord. And I didn't even have, like, a real theological grid for what I believed, you know. I just knew, like, oh, man, let me tell you how good he is. You know, this is good stuff. And, and what I wanted to say with that is you being here in itself is a testimony that, that you have a desire. You know, I think... Regardless of, of where you see yourself in the body of Christ or your, your main function, I think everybody has a desire to share their faith. You know? and, 
And if you don't have a desire to share your faith, you may or may not have encountered love yet. Because, because really, like, it's there. It's just in you, you know? Like, it's, it's in your DNA. Now, now, keep in mind, there may be things that hinder or oppose that desire. And we're going to talk about some of those things today. But everybody has that just desire, you know? But you may have things that, that you know, that oppose it. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll tackle some of those those myths and, and those lies today and maybe help give you some inspiration to, to, get, to get past them. But um, I want to just look real quick, uh, like what did Jesus say about evangelism? And I, I try not to pull out like a ton of scriptures because I think pretty much everybody here has probably familiarized themselves with scriptures. And, and at the end of the day, this isn't about validating evangelism to you. This is, this is really sharing my heart about evangelism, hopefully inspiring you, um, maybe in areas where you've not felt real confident to, to give it a shot, you know. Um, one thing I want to say, too, is, you know, this isn't a have to. This is a get to. You know, this is, this is fun. You know, like, this is, this isn't like, oh, I got to tell somebody about Jesus. This is, oh, I get to tell somebody about Jesus. This is the greatest Mardi Gras party ever went out, ever existed. You know, like, this isn't, this isn't bad news. This is good news. You know, the gospel's called good news for a reason. So if, if the gospel you've heard is not good, then you may not have heard the gospel yet, you know, because it's really good news. It's a good, it's a good message, you know. It's, it's like, hey, this is good stuff. Let me tell you about it. So what did Jesus say um, in Matthew 9, 37 and 38? I'm sure you're familiar with it. He said, he's speaking to his disciples and he says, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, and then, of course, we know uh, the Great Commissions, which is in Matthew 28 um, and in Mark 16, where Jesus tells us to, to go out into all the world and basically proclaim who he is and, and what that looks like. Um, so those are two other references. Another thing Jesus said in Acts 1.8, this is one of my this is one of my favorite ones. I'm gonna go ahead and turn there. I don't want to fudge it up. I'm sorry, it's Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20 and uh, Mark 16, 15 through 18. Yeah, and if I am going too fast or there's something you have a question about, feel free to hold your hand up, sir, say, hey, come back to that. Um, but I'm going to read uh, Acts uh, 1, 4 through 8. And this is, uh, I got to read now the New King James, but it says, you know, the Holy Spirit promised in verse 4 it says, In being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has Put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses 
And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. First, I love that, that, uh, that Jesus kind of handles that. You know, don't, don't be too concerned with the times and the seasons. You know, if it's, if it's the end, it's the end. But don't worry about that. I don't, I don't want you to really concern yourself about the stuff that, that Daddy's put in his own, on his own timetable. But there is this other thing that I want to tell you about. You know, and he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to tell everybody you see for the rest of your life, even to the end of the earth, we're going to be talking about this thing. And so I love the perspective of God. You know, there's that but. It's like, don't worry about that, but we are going to get, you're going to have some fun. We're going to do this thing over here. And this is, this is going to be good. So those are some things that Jesus said about evangelism. And one of the things I like about that is uh, the Greek word for uh, witness is, 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 mar, is martus. And it's, it's a really interesting word because it's really translated, you know, witness, 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 and then martyr, martyr, martyr about three times. And something that neat about that word is it's actually a masculine noun. And for all of you English majors or whatever, you know, nouns, person, place, or things. So it, it really kind of speaks of our identity, you know, that Jesus says, you know, you, you shall be a witness. And it, it wasn't so much an action like... Like, we think of witnessing more on the lines of action. I'm going to witness. But when Jesus says, you'll be my witness, he's saying, this is who you are. You know, you are a witness. You know, it's, it's not that you're going to do witnessing, but you are a witness, you know. And so even in death, the word doesn't change. It was like almost like death just solidified their life. You know, like, well, of course, they, you know, they were witnesses for me in life and in death, you know. So that's a, a really neat uh, thing to just kind of wrap your mind around the fact that it's, it's, it's identity, you know. And a big part of being an effective uh, witness or, I guess, evangelist or, or someone that communicates their belief about God is, is understanding who you are. And so identity is a big part of being able to present that in a, in a way that is um, received. So... We'll look at uh, one more scripture. Uh, I kind of did this, you know, what did Paul say about evangelism? And and this is a scripture I pulled. It's from Romans 10, 14. And Paul says, How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Um. That word preacher is the Greek word caruso. Um, it's actually a verb. It's an action. And it, it basically means to proclaim something or to speak it out with your mouth. And so, so we, we actually see preaching in itself, being a preacher is actually, that's an action of actually vocalizing your beliefs with words. And so that's a, that's a really neat thing. So you've got a witness that's a preacher. So, so really we're all preachers. You know, in, in that sense that we're all called to, to vocalize, you know, and share our faith. And, and it's not that that's like we're always just sharing our faith. We can't, we can't enjoy life. Like this isn't, remember, this is not a, a strengthful, stressful thing. This is fun, you know. So it's, it's not a have to, it's a get to. Um, but it's not like you're always having to do it, you know. But, um, but you get to. And, and when you're a preacher, you're someone that proclaims and shares that message. 
So that's a little backdrop on evangelism. I didn't go real deep into that because I really felt um, one of the directions I really wanted to hit on was uh, on your notes page, but it was its reasons why, why people do not share the gospel. Um, and what I did, I'm going to go through that so you don't, don't feel like pressure to try to read it all right now. It's really for, for you to take with you. But the reason I did uh, reasons why people do not share their gospel is because I kind of came up with some different, um, seemed to be pretty normal reasons why people don't, you know. And so I wanted to kind of kind of talk about those things. And, and my hope is that you may see something on that list that identifies with you. And then through that, you may be, might be able to see some different ways you can, you can overcome that. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little bit of my story, and then we'll go into to reasons why people do not share the gospel. So I got pretty radically altered by Jesus when I was 21. I'm 32 now. I had been a drug addict and ugh, lived a really wild life pretty intensely for about for a long time. Uh, but when I encountered Jesus, he supernatural power, you know, he was able to deliver me from drugs, did all these amazing things in my life, and, and literally just, the Bible says that you've been translated out of darkness into his marvelous light, and it was like he literally picked me up and just put me in him, and I believed it, and I never went back to drugs, I never went back to my friends, I never went back to that old life, I literally just ran with him, and so in the process of running with him, uh, I had an opportunity at so many different opportunities came my way because I was so excited about Jesus. Remember, I didn't know what the gospel was or <laughs> the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but I was so excited. People were like, wow, this guy's really excited, you know. Hope it doesn't, hope it doesn't burn out, but, you know, and it didn't, thank God. You know, I had people tell me that it was going to burn out. I was just, you know, new, newly saved, and that would kind of taper down. But I look back, and I'm like, I'm so glad they were wrong. <laughs> so it didn't taper down. It's just only increased, you know. It's just gotten better, you know. So, but anyway, I found myself in a place where I worked a secular job. I worked at a factory, and at that time, I was doing this management position. But anyway, I would always encounter older men. And, you know, I was probably like 25 when I was managing at this company. And I don't know if you've ever, most of you probably have secular jobs and, and different things. And, and so you've been around the, the vocabulary of, of other men or other people that maybe are unbelievers. And a lot of times that vocabulary can be really not so uplifting, you know. And, just, and, and, and it, to say the least, yeah. And it used to really bother me, you know, because I'd be like, somebody would say something really stupid and, and I'd want to just be like, say the right thing, you know, but I usually, nine times out of ten, I wouldn't. I would just not say anything, and then I would walk away from that situation like, oh, why didn't I say anything, you know, like, why didn't I say what I wanted to say, you know, and um, so through a series of events, the Holy Spirit really started highlighting to me the issue, you know, and, and what the issue was for me, like, when I really accepted it, was that I was just afraid, I was afraid to tell people what I thought because I was afraid of what type of response I would get. I didn't want them to think I was stupid. I didn't want to be rejected. It was just, I was just afraid. I was intimidated by the idea. Although I knew, like, the truth, and, and a lot of times these situations would present themselves in a way that there was opportunity for me to share the truth, but I, I would always get shut down. And so through pr praying and stuff, I was like, 
you know, I'm just scared, you know. And I'd actually just left a youth ministry I was a part of. Um, it had been doing for like two years. And so I had a little more time, and, it, and God was really dealing with me on being, being afraid. And so I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do, you know? And then it just hit me. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? There's a God idea. You ever have a God idea? He's got great ideas. <laughs> Sometimes they stretch you, though, don't they? <laughs> Sometimes they do. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm tired of being afraid. I am just sick and tired of being afraid. I said, so this is what I'm going to do. This is me talking to myself. I said, I'm, every day before I go home, I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to park my car. And I'm going to go in Walmart, and I am going to tell three people that Jesus loves them every day after work. I got kids, I got a wife, I got things to do, right, when I get off work. But I was like, this is what I'm going to do, because I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I thought to myself, immediately my brain's like, oh, I'd be stupid. You know, people are going to think you're dumb. People, that's oversaid, you know. Everybody says Jesus loves you. People don't even care if you say that. It's like nothing, you know. You're going to sound like an idiot. And then, I, and then I got this other revelation. I said, you know what? I don't even care if I sound like an idiot because this isn't even about them. This is about me. I don't care if anybody receives anything from the Lord. I'm not even doing this for them. I am simply doing this for myself so I can get over myself. I'm never going to see them again, so I don't even care. Like, this ain't about them. Like, this is not me trying to be Reinhardt Bunky. This is me getting over myself, okay? So I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I'd pull up in that parking lot. And I'd sit in my car sometimes, my heart be beating so fast. Like I'm about to. It's like when in high school, I wrestled and I'd get so nervous before a match, everybody's looking at you, you know. So I'd be in the car, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, okay. You know, play a few worship songs, kind of get in the, all right, I got this, I got this, you know, kind of get in there and sing in, thank you, Jesus, you know, just let me feel you, Lord, let me feel you, let me know you're with me, you know. And sometimes nothing. They're like, all right, I'd get out of my car, and I'd go in there, and I'd walk up to somebody, and I'd get about, I mean, I'd get about right here, and just kind of, oh, look at that over there on the aisle. Yeah. yeah, I need some of that iodize. I need some of that salt, you know. I'd start looking at stuff. Whew, that was tough, you know, and then walk around a little, you know, maybe do a little lap, you know, kind of build up, <laughs> build myself up again. He'd still be there looking at the eggs or whatever, and I'm going to get him this time. You know, and then I'd finally... You know, finally go up to somebody and then tap them, excuse me, and they'd look at me. Oh, man, it'd always be that person, you know, like the most unhappy person in the room. Right? What? <laughs> oh, I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you. Okay. <laughs> All right, see ya. You know, and I'd walk off. And um, I did that, like, faithfully for, like, two months. And, and sometimes... I get them done really fast, bam, bam, bam. Then other times, it'd take me like an hour to talk to one person, you know. And I'd be walking around, walking around. But, but what happened, but I'm going to tell you something else that happened. During this, you know, like self-taught moment where I'm getting over myself, I started like having people like really take the bait. So I started like having people like get prayer in the aisle of Walmart and get saved in Walmart. I know there was one day I had three people get saved in one day, like in less than 45 minutes, just walking around in there. <laughs> I hated Walmart. I hate Walmart. I don't even like Walmart, you know? It's like, it's like my least favorite place to go ever still. Um, but, like, I started, like, seeing, like, things happen, 
You know, like, I was seeing more action happen at Walmart than I had in the last two years. I've been at this, you know, quote-unquote youth ministry preaching to these kids and, and nobody, you know, nothing happened. And then I go to Walmart and all of a sudden it's like the floodgates opened up. You know, I'm just, all I'm saying is Jesus loves you. And they're just like jumping in the boat. And um, I, I prayed for a guy. I think he was addicted to drugs. He got free from addiction. I mean, there was girlfriends, boyfriends crying in Walmart. It was literally, it literally turned into this just wild, crazy uh, encounter with people. And, and in, in doing that, God really started to set me free from, from myself, you know, because the issue was always me. You know, it was like I was afraid. And, and I realized that it was okay for me to be afraid. I, but then I also realized, like, the problem is not that I'm afraid. The problem is that I'm letting this fear dictate my actions. Like, that's the problem. You know, it's, it's normal to be hesitant. It's normal to be intimidated. It's normal to be afraid. The issue is if you allow those things to dictate your actions. You know, that's your problem. You know, that's the issue. It's not being afraid. Oh, everybody's afraid. You know, I, I still get afraid. I mean, there are scenarios that come up where I get afraid, and there's scenarios that come up where I don't do it. I can remember being at Starbucks not too long ago, and I just started getting, like, rocked by the Holy Spirit. And God's like, won't you just tell every, all 50 people in here, hey, if they need anything from Jesus, just come get it right now. And I was like, uh, I don't think I'm ready for that, you know? <laughs> like, uh, it was like, what? You know, but he was like, come on, you know? Like, come on. And so, like I said, there's always, like, room for, for new opportunities, you know? And, and so he's constantly, like, like saying, come on. It's so funny because, like, like, now, I, like, every time I see, I see, like, every broken person in the world everywhere I go. And so, like, I literally, like, have to ignore people sometimes. And I'm like, God's like, why, why did you? I know you saw that person in the wheelchair. Why did you act like you didn't see him kind of thing? And it's not ever, like, this con- condemnation, but just to say that, that we are all kind of growing in our understanding and God is teaching all of us to, to interact with the world around us. Um, and so I'm in that same place, and I'm, I'm still on that journey. I'll probably be on it for the rest of my life. So that was, that was um, a little bit of my story on how I got started kind of like doing like this kind of stuff. And, and I didn't know it was like evangelism or, or whatever. I've accepted the fact that I may have a unique gifting in this area, but I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, crap, I'm tired of being afraid. You know, this is, I'm tired of these guys talking about all these girls and they're married and this and that. And I'm always like scared to say anything because I don't want to look stupid. And so I'm just going to go ahead and look stupid and get over it. And then once I get over myself, I'll be all right. You know, because the only one you got to get over is you. Like, you're the one you got to get over. Like, <laughs> get over yourself. You know? yeah. right. I mean, it, we're all, it's, it's truth for all of us. So. So we're going to go ahead and, and tackle some of these uh, common reasons why people don't. And in doing that, hopefully, um, you'll, you may identify with some of these, or if you have a question, write it down. But the idea is, like, really my prayer and my hope is that you will find, you'll be able to identify your areas where, where, where there's room for improvement. And then the Holy Spirit will help give you a strategy to address those things, you know, in a healthy learning type of way. Um, I can remember another thing I did, like, when God was really pushing me this way, 
and I was working in that factory. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a factory environment, but some of those people are really sad, <laughs> really depressed. It's like they're angry on Monday, angry on Friday. They're just angry. And it was like, God was like, why don't you just go in the morning and start telling everybody good morning and God bless you. And I was like, ah, oh, really? It's like, yeah, yeah, just every morning. But I, and, I, and of course, the first thought is, well, I haven't been doing it for the last year. Now I'm just going to bust up in there all of a sudden, hey, good morning, God bless you. I didn't say it to you in the last year and a half, but hey, here we are, you know, but today's a new day, right? And so like when God challenges you to do that stuff, you just kind of have to just bite the bullet, get over yourself, and do it, right? So I just, you know, I remember doing that, and, and you know what happened at work? I worked with welders and all these different people, and some of them were pretty rough, and they got to where they were, like, expecting old Bebop and Byron to come through. You know, like, hey, what you got for me today? Come on, say it. God bless you. God loves you. You know, they started, like, I mean, they started feeding off of it. I'd, I'd, I'd be driving to work and start getting, like, prophetic words for, for people. And I'd, like, have to, like, pull up real quick and write it down. And I'm like, man, I got this scripture for you on the way in. And, and a guy would say, man, on the way to work today, I was thinking about how I need to get back in church and really kind of, kind of get dialed back into this environment and he's like man it's really crazy give me this scripture so so you know it's like things just start opening up and so those are the different you know those are some of the ways that it may sound really corny or silly to you or you may think why that they're going to think I'm ridiculous doing this but but really there's a lot of power in it and so just go for it so, reasons why people do not share the gospel. Number one, I put, I do not know what to say. And I'm going to read you something Jesus said. And this just kind of fit well. It's not exactly the same context exactly, but it's still kind of fit. So, I put it in there. So, Jesus said, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of, the fa- of your Father who speaks in you. That's Matthew 10, verses 19 and 20. And then I found this neat little, neat little gem. Uh, Paul said, let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. And that's uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. And so my thought behind that is, we're going to talk a little bit probably about different things you can say to people. But I put a little note on there that says, the power is not in what you say, but rather what you believe. Because it's really not in what you say. It's really in what you believe and what's backing what you say. Because when I walked around saying Jesus loves you, it might sound so ridiculously cliche and over the top. But when you really believe that Jesus loves people because you know that God loves them because he first loved you before you loved him, and you really have a a belief and understanding that when you say that to someone you're actually, I mean, you're setting them up for a good opportunity. And so it's, it's, not, it's not always what you say, it's, but it's, it's really what you're carrying in your heart with what you say. And uh, just, I'm reminded right now, even, even in that, like, there wasn't too many months ago I was at Lowe's and there was this girl at the checkout and I said, uh, do you want me to tell you some really good news? I love telling people, I said, I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to tell you something really good. You ready? <laughs> and I'll say, I'll say, you ready? So, and I said, Jesus loves you. Oh, man, she got so mad at me. 
I mean, mad. She wanted to slap me. She was, she was, she was violently angry when I said that. And I could tell, it was like, <laughs> sorry. It was like, whoa. Just making sure y'all are awake. <laughs> but anyway, she got very angry when I said that, and I thought, golly, what? But really? Just telling you some best news I ever heard, you know? And so I kind of left her alone. I kind of, you know, I felt it out, and I was like, yeah, she didn't like that. And I knew it. But I had to go back to Lowe's, because I don't know about you guys or, or women, but whenever I'm doing a project... I usually got to go back a second and a third time. <laughs> if I'm ever working on a car, I'm definitely going back a fourth and a fifth time. So that's just kind of how it goes for me. So I, I made my way back to Lowe's again. And, of course, I went through her line again because I'm that guy, right? I, I'm the guy that, 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 that goes through, you know, I, I'm just that guy because I'm kind of like over myself sometimes. So I'm like, I'm going to try this again. So I go back through a line again, and I I go, uh, I said, uh, so, uh, so, hey, you know, she's kind of giving me the evil eye. So, it's like, so, you know, I didn't mean to make you so angry a little bit earlier when I, when I, when I told you, you know, Jesus loved you. She's, she looked at me, she said, she goes, well, what did she say? She goes, I'm not. She said, I just don't like when people jam religion down your throat. And uh, I said, oh, okay. So, well, you know, I didn't really think I jammed anything down your throat. I said, uh, I really just told you that, that Jesus loved you. You know, like there's, I didn't tell you to come to my church or, or you, need, you were going to hell or, I didn't say anything other than Jesus loved you. Um, point being, I'm still working on that girl. But really the point being, it's not what you say, but it's what's behind it. You know, there was resistance to that word because of what was carried behind it. You know, it wasn't, (laughs) I didn't say anything. I told her the truth in love. You know, but but in John, I think it's 3.18 or or 19, it says, you know, but, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, but, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know, and so even in that moment, I brought her to a place of response where she had to respond. And in that moment, she responded in anger and bitterness and, and whatever else has been ailing her. But, but that's the power of your word, you know. And so it's not always in what you say to somebody, but it's what you believe. And uh, I, I truly believe that when you're going at people with a heart of love, you can't really say the wrong thing. If you're doing it out of love, even when I was trying to get over myself and just saying, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. I mean, it was really a heart of love. I mean, who needs to get over themselves, right? I mean, we're selfish. You know, the culture accepts selfishness, right? I mean, no one has to get over themselves. Like, everybody can have it your way. You know, it's like, it was like Burger King, have it your way. This is my way, you know? And so we make all these exceptions, but, but even in my response of like, hey, I want to get over myself, there was still a lot of power in it because... It was selfless to want to get over yourself. So, number, uh, just another nugget on that. Uh, Paul said, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but rather in the power of God. And so, there is a neat thing that happens when you bring somebody to a place of opportunity, where they, uh, where they, you bring them to a place of an opportunity where they can encounter God's power and God's love because really uh, you're not trying to convert people to your, 
to you. You're trying to convert them to Christ or, or bring them to a realization of who Christ is. So, so there's a lot of power in that, and that's what we're wanting to give people. We're wanting to give people the real deal, you know, because I tell people I have a few people I'm discipling that are really unchurched right now, and um, they're, 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 they're pretty out. They're about as out there as you can get. And, I, and they cuss a lot in, in different things, and I don't, I, don't say I don't share their same vocabulary language. Um, but they apologize a lot, and I always tell them, like, bro, don't apologize. I'm like, don't apologize. I'm not going to apologize for being me. And I don't want you to apologize for cussing around me. I want you to be you. You know why? Because if you try to change who you are for me, it won't stick. But if you change because the Holy Spirit's convicting you, and you get that conviction from God, I was like, then you're good. But do not change who you are for me, because God sees you, and he loves you. And I, I'm called to love, and I'm going to love you. You know, but I need you to get a revelation of who of he loves you, because that's what works. You know. So, <clears throat> number two, I'm afraid to. I put up the you know the normal ones. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Um, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And I've already touched on this a lot because I was afraid, but I just said being afraid is not the problem. It's normal. If you're nervous about the idea of telling somebody about Jesus, that's okay. It's all right. Just don't let it dictate your life. That's the problem. Like, if you're going to walk with God, then face it. You know, choose to overcome it. You, you don't have to be. The Bible says, what sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law but under grace. So, so don't let fear dictate the environment you live in, you know, be motivated, choose, choose life, choose love, and, and go for it. Um, <clears throat> I put on there, you can uh, pray, for, pray for boldness in Acts 4, uh, verse 29 and 30. Uh, I think it was Peter and John just got, uh, got a good tongue lashing and probably another type of lashing from the Pharisees for healing the, the crippled guy on their way in the gate called Beautiful, and they go back to their buddies, and they're like, oh, they're telling us don't talk about Jesus anymore. You know, they're all freaking out. And, he, and then they're like, whew, but let's pray. God, we need boldness so we can keep doing this thing. We don't want to give up. And so, so pray for boldness, you know, like ask God to give you the courage that you need. You want to be Tony the Tiger, you know, not Timmy the Teddy Bear, you know. You want to be a tiger sometimes, so pray for boldness. You know, there's no shame in praying for boldness. I, <laughs> I pray about stuff all the time, and uh, I, I'm very transparent with God about the areas of my life where I struggle to believe him. <laughs> I'm like, God, I don't believe you. Help me. <laughs> Help me out. Okay, so point number three is I don't want to sound stupid. Have you ever thought that before? What if I sound stupid? Have you ever said that? Well, I would say that, but what if I sound stupid? Well, you know, the Bible says in Galatians 2.20 that you have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And another thing old Polly Boy said that I like was in uh, 1 Corinthians 4. He says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men, 
condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. So they didn't have a problem looking dumb, you know. And granted, everybody has to face that reality. And I just said point blank, guys, you got to get over yourself. That's, at the end of the day, whatever, wherever you're at on this thing, the things that are hindering you from exploring this part of God's heart is going to be you. You know, the opportunities are always there. But at the end of the day, it's, it's your mindsets or, or what you, how you view it or how you view yourself. Like, those are the things that are, that are creating turbulence or hindrance. So, so at the end of the day, you're going to have to decide, you know, where you are and, and where you want to be. Um, just an example there is so many times now that I say things that sound stupid in my head out loud (laughs) and it seems it turns out to be something kind of cool so the other day I took uh, a couple young people to the mall and we went out and did some like evangelism messing with people I say messing with people because I just like messing with people it's just me I pick on people I pick on my wife and my kids, but, but not in a bad way, but I like messing with people. So I always say messing with people. Don't get me wrong. It's really loving people in Jesus, but I call it messing with people. So I took some kids out, uh, some youth guys, and uh, we were in line at Chick-fil-A, and there was this girl behind me working at, at Foot Locker, and I turned around, and a lot of times it'll happen so fast, just my heart just like, boom, turns towards somebody. I say, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's like, well, what's going on? Well, work's really slow today. There's not much going on. It's dead in there. <laughs> hey, you know who's not dead? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great news? He, well, yeah, I get. Yeah, he resurrected. He's alive. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, that frown, he turns upside down, you know, and she started smiling and, and uh, just really like, kind of like just came alive. And, and that particular conversation didn't go much farther than that. But point being, like, it's like so dumb, like, hey, you know not, who's not dead, Jesus? You know, like, and, and, and you think, that, that, that was really silly, you know, like, but the thing about it was, it brought her into an encounter, like, it really made her reflect on, oh, yeah, Jesus ain't dead, that's something to be happy about, praise the Lord, you know, like, <laughs> that's good, like, like the rope, you know, eternity, you know, is my, heaven is my home, you know, like, this is good, good news, so, so many times, I couldn't even tell you how many times, like, this little dialogue goes on in my head, and it sounds really corny and really cheesy, and then out of it, something really profound happens. And so basically what I'm telling you with that is, obviously, you're not all going to do it just like Byron does. You're going to do it in your own flesh and skin, but in the unique way that God has designed you to be. But don't disregard those thoughts that come through your mind sometimes that your, your brain says, well, I don't know if I'd say that. that that's kind of silly or, you know, that's, you know, you don't want to take yourself too serious. That's the thing. Like, like God's not, this thing is not dependent upon you. I mean, it, 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 God allows you to co-participate with him, you know, but, but I'm pretty sure like, you know, the dying on the cross and all that stuff, like he did that uh, apart, apart from, from us. I mean, we were included with him in that, but it, he didn't need us to do it. Like, he did it himself. And so we get, there's this also this playful part of God where it's like we get to participate. You know, you get to discover 
who he is. Like there's this whole new world that opens up to you when you start like making this part of your routine because you start like feeling God's heart for people. You start realizing how God cares for people. You start realizing how God cares for people so much, you may be a little quicker to let yourself off the hook when you don't feel like you measured up, you know, because all of a sudden you're like, you know, I should probably have a little mercy on myself and, and, and get out of this condemnation boat and get back over here in, in Daddy's lap, you know, because he got a lot of mercy for these people I'm talking to, and I can feel his mercy bubbling out, and he's like, well, don't you get a little mercy for yourself? <laughs> How about a little, put a little mercy on yourself over here, you know, because you're not going to do anything if you're down in the mully grubs, right? Uh, so, I don't want to sound stupid. Just say this out loud. Say, I'm over that. Just so, so look at your neighbor and say, I'm over sounding stupid. That's kind of that, it just, this is a good wake-up moment, because I don't, I don't want you guys to get like, start nodding off back there. We'll do jumping jacks. We did jumping jacks today in children's church. So that was fun. So anyway, let's keep going. How about this one? This is interesting. I don't want to push anyone away from God or make them feel uncomfortable. Have you ever thought that? It's a valid, it's a valid thought, right? You don't want to push them away. Don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. I like this uh, verse, John three seventeen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I went on, uh, I touched on this a little earlier, uh, John three nineteen. it says, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. Okay? And so, point blank, something to remember is this is good news. Right? It may not be received as good news, but it's good news, okay? And so, assuming that you presenting them with an opportunity to experience Jesus in a personal way is going to push them away or make them feel uncomfortable, like, that's just an assumption, right? You're assuming that, I don't want to push them, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable, you're assuming that that's what's going to happen if you open your mouth, right? Yeah. I mean, you didn't open your mouth yet. This all happened up here. <laughs> I, know that's, I know that's really simple, but if you really think about it, nothing happened yet. You're just assuming that it ain't going to be good. You know, like, I'm, I'm persuaded on the other side. I'm like, well, this is going to be good. This is going to be something right here. And so perspective is a big part of it. You know, you got to, like... I know that he's good, right? I know what he's capable of. I don't, I don't have it all figured out, but, but I, I can testify for my own life. The experiences I've had with God in my own life, so I'm like, yeah, he's, he's good. Like, he, he's a loving, merciful, powerful, righteous, holy. He's good, you know? And so let me, let me just tell somebody this good news, because I, I was always like, man, I wish someone would have told me. Maybe I would have not snorted that line of cocaine. Maybe I would have not done this, and maybe I still would have. But I'm going to tell you this. No one ever came to me with this message. And that really, really is one of the things that really stuck in me. It was like, because when I realized how good he was, I thought, why did I know about this? How come nobody told me about this? Like, what? All these Christians, I started thinking about all these people that went to my high school and all these people I'd been around. And I'm like, why didn't anybody say anything? And then all of a sudden, I was like, I've got to tell everybody. Like, 
It's like being unplugged at the Matrix, you know. It was like, whoa, the trees look different. Everything looked good. It was like, God, I see in everything, you know. And so that was, that's like, you know, that's like part of the heartbeat that I walk in. It was like, no one told me this. And, you know, I wish they would have. I mean, I don't live with regret, but really, it's like, man, it would have been nice for somebody to let me know. Uh, maybe it would have changed things. Another thing, uh, kind of way my brain works. First thing is, when I think about making people feel uncomfortable or pushing them away from God, I, I think this is good news. So I'm assuming that this is going to be good. Another thing is, I'm also under this belief, and you can argue this if you want, but this is me. So this is how I believe, and this is how it works for me. I don't believe you can push anybody farther into hell than they already are, or into unbelief, rather. You can't make them be more of an unbeliever. They're already an unbeliever, right? They already don't believe. It's not like you're going to come up and make it worse. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could you make it worse by maybe your lifestyle or something sketchy with that, and they got some sort of grid, but you can't make it worse. Like, really, like, you don't have that power. But... You know, there is always this possibility that when you go to them, everything changes. I'm like, it's 50-50. What? It's almost like praying for the sick. Like, that's the area where, like, I'm really, like, God's really, like, pray for all the broken bones and everything. So I'm really starting to pray for them a lot and seeing results sometimes, but not all the time. But it's like, hey, then, like, the bones are going to be more broke. <laughs> well, it's not like they're going to be in the wheelchair longer if you pray for them. They're already in the wheelchair, right? Yeah. They're already in it. So why not? You know? And so that's my, that's, that's my perspective on, on sharing it. I'm like, golly, I can't push them any farther into hell. They already don't believe. I couldn't tell you how many people I've went to. I love going to scary people. Like, I love the, te- I mean, I'm talking about just the ones that look like they'd kill you. And, and those ones are usually the ones that crack the quickest, I mean, you just go up to them, it doesn't even matter what you say, Jesus hits them like a mattress, boom, and they're just like, oh, no one's ever talked to me before because you look like a pro wrestler, probably, but whatever, you know. Like. <laughs> but then the ones that want to rip your head off are like the little pretty preppy girls that are with their boyfriend. You go up to them and talk to them, and they're like, <laughs> and I'm like, good gosh, she would shoot me in the head right now if she could. You know, it's really weird how that happens, but, you know, that's a story. That's probably a teaching series for another day. (laughs) Uh, It's true, though. It's all true. So here is the breakdown of what could happen. And I put this real simply. Option number one, nothing changes for that person. Or option number two, everything changes for that person. Right? And so... It's 50-50. I mean, it's probably not even 50-50. God's like, no, it's more like, you know, 99.99, you know, percent my way or whatever. For like, I'm going to get them. Yeah, he sees everything as I got them. So, something to think about, right? That is uh, point number four. Who would like to read point number five for me, just what it is? Anybody? Anybody read it out loud for me? Got you, good point, yeah. It's a very good point, Byron. So, number five. I believe you should build a relationship with someone before sharing the gospel with them. Oh, there's one. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever talked with people and they're like, well, you know, I really believe, really believe, 
Now, don't get me wrong. I am going to make fun of this a little bit, but not because I don't believe in building a relationship. <laughs> but I believe that, that there's something that has to happen pre-building relationship. At least it did for me. And it seems, to, seems like that happened for all the disciples, the apostles, and everybody else. So, so I believe you should build a relationship with someone before sharing the gospel with them. Everybody Jesus encountered, or not everybody, I won't say everybody, but when you read the Gospels and you see the disciples, the people that he called to follow him, he didn't have a pre-existing relationship with these people. He just walked up to them, said, hey, you, see you over there fishing, follow me, right? They get out of the boat and follow them, which is crazy. I mean, I don't think it's so crazy now. I've done some pretty crazy things myself. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then you got this guy, I love this, like this guy, Philip, gets called. And then it says, Philip goes, and this is in John 1, and I've got it on the notes, and it says, Philip goes and gets Nathaniel. And so it says, as, you know, Jesus and Philip are walking toward Nathaniel. Jesus looks at Nathaniel and he goes, ah, he says, an Israelite within whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel's like, do you know me? Who are you? And he goes, Nathaniel, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's like, what? And he's like, you are the Messiah. You know, you are the son of, he's like, you're the, you're the, you're the Messiah. And so he's like, I'm going to follow you. And So that's uh, one example. Those are uh, two examples. Another example with that is um, Jesus when he goes to Zacchaeus' house and he has a meal with him and him and his whole household get saved. Another one um, was the woman at the well. And I've, I've got all these scriptures uh, tagged on the worksheet. But this is what I put. I put there's nothing wrong with desiring to build a relationship with someone. That is the very fabric of the gospel. But the reality is it's not possible to build a relationship with everyone you come in contact with. However, that fact should not discourage you from sharing the love of Christ with them. Jesus never met a stranger. And he also didn't build relationships with everyone he encountered. Example, the demon-possessed man in Luke chapter 8. The guy with the legions, he begged to go with Jesus, and he was like, no, no, no. Go back to your town. Tell everybody what I did for you, right? But he still delivered them. Uh, there are many people, <clears throat> you know, and so one of the things that God showed me in that was um, there are many people that um, I've given prophetic words to that I didn't know. And it, I'm sure just most of you have a group for prophecy, isn't really what that's about. Basically, like, you hang out with God, you start learning his language, and you, you feel when his heart's tugging on you to share different things, talk with people. So, so there's been lots of times I've felt that nudge in my heart and, and had thoughts and, and shared those with people I didn't know. And out of that, turned into a relationship with them. You know, I've had a good many strangers come and eat dinner at my house over the years just through giving somebody a prophetic word in Walmart or somewhere. And, um, and talking to them. And that's been really fun. I can remember this one girl we had there at Walmart, and um, 
and she was by herself and looked like she'd been working out or something. I guess really cool word for her. And I kind of struggled giving it to her. So I was like, I don't know if I should give this girl a word because she's alone. I'm alone. It might be kind of weird me talking to her. But I, I got over myself. I gave her this word. Totally wrecked her. She had like books in her basket. She was like trying to find herself in God. I'm 40 days of purpose and some other, other books. And she starts crying. And she ended up coming to our house and like eating dinner, meeting my wife like hanging out with us, you know, we're just sharing love with her and sharing time with her. And, and, and that became a connection and a relationship. But point being, it's good to build relationships. But I have on here, encounter first, discipleship second. You know, like, like as it relates to evangelism, I believe our responsibility is that we bring people to a, an encounter, an opportunity to experience Jesus in a way that's personal to them. You know, and so that's what you're bringing to the table. And then after encounter comes discipleship. Even the ones that followed Jesus, they encountered Jesus, they saw Jesus, they believed in Jesus, and then they followed Jesus, and then he began to disciple them. And so really what I'm saying is, if you want to build relationships with people, that's great. But what I'm really saying is, it's okay to give them an encounter and then build a relationship. And I'm even going farther to say, if you'll start living in a lifestyle of encounter where you believe that you're going to bring people into an encounter, you're going to start building relationships with people that you didn't even know were possible. Because that's the real deal, you know. It's, it's, yes, it's great to find that person organically at your work. And you start working on them, and then a couple months down the road, you're like, hey, so, you know, go to church down the road. You should come check it out sometime. we got service at 9, 10. You know, that's cool. But the thing is, there's this, oh, there's all these people that God wants to, he wants to touch, you know. And it's okay if you don't build relationship and you just bring them to encounter, like I said, Jesus did not build this intimate discipleship relationship with everyone he met. But that didn't stop him from bringing the buffet of the kingdom to their place, right? And so, so just remember, encounter first, discipleship second. And I think, honestly, I think that's something that's kind of missed. Like, like even, you know, we try to disciple people without encounter. <laughs> but people deserve and encounter, and they deserve to know God loves them. They deserve to experience that love in a, in a real, tangible way. And and God's good for it. He does that Himself. You know, it's not us that do it. And so, it's, pressure's not on me, but He's good at it. Here's another one. There is a time and a place to share the gospel. Have you ever? There's a time and a place. Have you, ever, have you ever had that real religious friend at work and say, well, brother, you know, I'm a believer, but there's a time and a place. And, and, and you're like, man, that sounds good. It sounds right, but there's just something about the way you say it that makes me want to slap you in the face, right? I mean, not really, but you're thinking, you're thinking there's something about that that's squirrely, you know, like, there ain't, you know, I get it, you know, yeah, I mean, do everything you do is under the Lord, but the way you're saying it, it's almost like a cop-out, you know, that's what, it, that's what it's, it's like, I hear you, but I, I, I hear you, you know, and so what I put for that is, you know, Matthew 10, 16, it's one of my favorite verses, it says, behold, Jesus said, behold, I send you out like sheep amongst the wolves, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and so there's wisdom in when to let this thing go, right? But it's not a rule, like time and a place. I mean, 
the, the opportunities are endless. You have to take yourself out of that box. You know? But there's wisdom in when to pull the trigger, for lack of better words. So when I, when I worked a secular job, man, I, did, I worked really hard, and I did a really good job at work. I believe that was a way that I represented Christ. I didn't play. I wasn't hanging out longer. I wasn't doing this. I wasn't messing around. I knew these people were paying me to be there. And so when I was there, I did what I did, and I did it to the best of my ability because I believed that I was doing it for the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, even, even in doing that, I had multiple opportunities to present this gospel of the kingdom to ordinary people that may have never experienced it before because I didn't restrict him and say, well, from this time to this time, no. Or, it's good to talk about Jesus at church, but I ain't going to talk about him Monday through Friday or Saturday, just Sunday. So, but in saying that, I had plenty of opportunities to share, the, share my faith. I had opportunities to give uh, really insightful words of encouragement to all of my bosses <laughs> over the company I worked for at different times. Had opportunities to pray with people that didn't believe in healing and they got healed. Had opportunities to, to encourage people that didn't believe in Jesus. You know, like there was always opportunities to love people. Um, and one of the other things about evangelism and having a, a heart for it and a lifestyle of evangelism is don't overcomplicate it. You know, it doesn't have to be this long, drawn out thing with five points and counter arguments and counter questions. And it's not this like put the gloves on and you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, if, if somebody don't like it, you can just smile at them and say, all right, well, it's true. Just walk away. Like you don't have to put your gloves on. You know, you can choose to take the high road. You can just walk away. Um, I've had so many, I've been rejected. I've been cussed out. I've been called the F word so many times. I thought it was my name one time. <laughs> I had a guy call me the F word so many times I thought it was my name. I started answering to it. I was like, what? I said, oh, okay. No, my name's Byron, you know. It's not that. But you have those moments, right? But it's okay, you know, because you just laugh about it. I mean, I got called the F word. Paul got beat with rods. <laughs> right? The F word, big deal. It's a word. I haven't gotten beat yet. I've been threatened a few times. I have been threatened. I may have come closer than some. I mean, I've had people get in my face and tell me what they were going to do, but then they usually just exit out. And I just, and usually in those moments, I feel like Stephen, you know, Stephen was all tranced out on the Lord, and they're like pelting them with rocks. And he's like, whoa, the heavens are open. I'm seeing Jesus at the right hand of the Father. He's like, God, don't, you know, before I take a nap, just forgive them for what they do, right? You know, he was, and so usually in those moments, it's like all of a sudden the spirit of, uh, of, of, of the Lord just begins to elevate, and you're just like, woohoo! I don't even know if I'm going to feel this, you know, this, my, this is kind of crazy, I'm feeling good right now, this guy's about to, he just told me he's going to punch me in my face, and I'm laughing at him, it's probably not a good mixture, but whatever, you know, this may or may not turn out so well, my first black eye, I haven't got it yet, so, Here's another one, number eight. Are these good? Are these helping you guys at all? Are you guys still awake? Are you feeling me? Or is this hitting any of the areas that you've thought about before? And the reason I was able to write these down so confidently is because I, I myself, believe it or not, have had, had uh, struggles in each one of those areas at different times. So it was real easy for me to formulate this list because I was familiar with it. <laughs> all right. so. Did I skip it? No, I did not. Yes, sorry. 
All right, number seven. This is a good one. This is not my calling or gifting. You ever heard anybody say that? It's probably the same guy that said, there's a time and a place to share the gospel. And his best friend was the person that said, it's not necessary for me. I don't want to push anybody away. It's not necessary for me to, you know, I just lifestyle, you know, I'm living by my lifestyle. So it's not my calling or gifting. And then I put in quotations, I, I don't like confrontation. That's just not my personality type. You may be looking at me and like, Byron, you're a straight extrovert. But I'm an introvert, right? I'm not you. I don't do, like, I, I like to sit alone in my room and read for hours. Like, this is not me. Okay, fine. It doesn't have to be you. Um, this, I am extroverted, and this is something that God has graced me in, but he's also encourages me to encourage others to be open to this because it's a part of your life, too. Like, this is, this is our lifestyle, you know? You may not, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I know Sean's a pretty talented musician, and keyboardists and, and different things. I remember from years ago, I'm going to tell you, if I got on a keyboard, it sounded like a three-year-old pecking on a thing. Like, that ain't me, you know? Like, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Eddie gets up there, and I get lost every time he starts strumming that. And when he hits that first note, groom, I'm like, glory to God, you know? And if I get up there and, and hit that note, you're going to be like, what? You're going to be like, burn, put that guitar down right now. You're about to break something, you know? But the thing is, I'm not a worship leader, but I'm called to worship. Right? I mean, there was that scripture just for me, make a joyful noise. That was for me. And, and God, you know, like God's like, hey, I take your worship just like theirs. And I, and, and I worship, you know. I'm not a worship leader, but I worship. And so that, that, that's kind of the, the perspective. I may, you may not be like this, you're strong, this, this is who I am, this is what I do. But you're called to share your faith. You're called to be light in darkness. You know, you're going to go places I'll never go. You're going to see people I'll never see. You're going to have opportunities that I will never have, you know, because they're your opportunities. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I put very simply, in Christ, you're a new creation. So maybe some of those things you identify with are not your new nature. Quite possibly. Maybe that's not part of the new you. Maybe you need to leave it in 2015, right? And just embrace the new you, you know? Maybe the old you, that wasn't your calling or gifting, but maybe the new you is full of Christ, you know? Maybe the new you's got the revelation of Christ in you, you know? Maybe the new you is full of glory, you know? Maybe the new you can be bold as a lion, right? Maybe the new you is confident, you know? Maybe the new you doesn't, doesn't care what people think. You know, like you're, Jesus doesn't ask you to identify with yourself. He's asked you to identify with him. Like that's the whole, that's the whole nature of this thing. I mean, what did Paul say? He was like, man, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And I, I put this note somewhere. I was like, Paul got so wrapped up in the reality of who Christ was. He couldn't tell where he, he ended and Christ began and eventually just said, hey man, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's like, brother, I don't even see myself anymore. I'm dead, right? He got to a place where he was like, I'm dead. Like, it's over with. Like, I'm not even in the equation anymore. And so, and so it, I, I believe it's our 
calling in it, and it's the desire of, of heaven that, that we would begin to find ourselves in Christ, you know, and, and get lost in, in his identity, who he says we are, and, and, and what he says we can do, not, not what we think. Um, the problem with it's not my calling, it's not my gifting, is that can be a very introspective viewpoint, you know. Well, I just don't think I can do that. Well, good thing it doesn't matter what you can do. It's really what Christ can do through you and in you. Okay, because if this thing was based upon your abilities, we'd all have issues, right? But it's not. He didn't do this based on your ability. It's, it's being able to see his ability working in you and through you. And so that's the perspective change. It's, not, it's, it's that whole thing. It's not about you. you know? And I don't mean that in a, in a negative or condescending way, but it, it's really not. It's about him. You know, and so, so that's, that's the reality of it. Um, I put another little just note on there, and, and it's this. It's, nowhere in the New Testament did I find anyone that was excluded from sharing their faith. It, it was just who they were. It was just part of, it was part of life, you know. It, like I said, if, if you don't have a desire to share your faith. You may have things that hinder and oppose that desire, but if you don't have a desire, you, I would say maybe you've not encountered love, really, because it's just natural when you love somebody to talk about them, to be with them, and to, and to be willing, like, no big deal, like, hey, this is who I'm with, and, you know, I'm all about it. So, so no one's excluded from sharing their faith. And then I said, just look at some of the characters. Peter was a fisherman. Luke was a doctor. Matthew was a tax collector. Paul was a professional religionist. Right? And of course, Stephen. Don't forget Stephen, the apostle Stephen, right? No, he wasn't an apostle. What was he? He was a, was he the L word? He was the layman, right? He was over the food ministry. <laughs> he was over the food. Stephen was over the food ministry. And what happened to him? First martyr of the New Testament. First one recorded. They said great signs and wonders, power was flowing out of Stephen so much so they had to kill him. First martyr in the New Testament was the layman. That's a message for another day, right? Well, this is for the pastor. You guys do this. This is what you do. This is what you do. And then you got Stephen over here. The apostles were like, hey, Stephen, look, this isn't good for us. We don't have time to be passing out forks and, and knives and plates anymore. We're going to have to you know, keep ourselves devoted to the word you know, and to prayer. So why don't you guys just pick seven people and put them over the food ministry? <laughs> right? And then there comes Stephen, and he gets killed. I love that. I love that reality. It's like, it's like well, then there was Stephen, you know? And so that's something to think about, and, and it's really neat, you know, because no one's excluded. Everyone has the same opportunities. And, and, and keep in mind, it is opportunity. You know, only you get to experience when those moments happen in your life, you're the one that benefits. Every time I share my faith, like, I get something out of it. I mean, it's not just for that person. It's also for me. It's, I mean, sometimes it's just personal enjoyment. Like, I, it's just fun. It's really fun invading someone's day when they're not expecting it and letting them let you pray for them. Then all of a sudden they get hit with the Holy Ghost and they're like, what's going on? They start shaking and laughing, and then you start laughing. They're like, you guys are crazy. And I'm like, oh, no, it's crazy. But it's Jesus. You know, and it just turns into this fun encounter. And you walk away, you're like, that was awesome. You know, and that was, that guy got rocked. He didn't know what was going on. You know, and it just, bam, it just hit him, and it just love invaded. And so it's so fun. It is fun. You know, it, get over, once you get over the nervousness of it, it it's pretty fun.
Um, here's another one. This is number nine. I didn't feel led to talk to that person. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said it? Well, I, I mean, okay, guys. There's at times there's wisdom. I mean, there may there probably there is situations I'm sure where where the Holy Spirit may be saying, "Hey, don't don't talk to that person right now." And 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 you see that in the life of Jesus because sometimes Jesus would do things, and then he would say, "Hey, don't tell anybody because it's not really my time." And if you go shouting about your miracle, they're going to try to kill me right now, right? And so there, there's a little bit of wisdom in that, but. But not being led can also be a trap. Say, it's a trap. It can be a trap, right? Because, because for me personally, I have to put this in the context of me. I found, I found it to be very hard to be led by the Spirit when I was afraid. Right? It's like, I wasn't led to, but I was also scared to death. <laughs> By the way, BTW, right? It's also pretty scared. And so for me, I found that it was very important for me to get over my fears, you know, before I could really assess if I was being led by the Spirit. Because a lot of times I was just afraid, you know, I was, I was too afraid to open his mouth. So, like, for me to say I'm not led was more of a, an excuse for me. Now, the cool thing is, once you start confronting those problematic areas of your mind that resist your profession of faith or your, 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 your witness of the gospel, um, once you start getting free from those things, you just start getting confidence and just going forward or, or just kind of confronting those things and, and your mind starts changing about it, then all of a sudden you really find yourself in situations where you really are being led by the Spirit. Because then you'll be at the gas station and God will be like, hey, tell this girl this or tell that person that. Or you'll be somewhere and God will be like, hey, go talk to that person right now. And then you'll go. And so then, and then it becomes like a dialogue. Like then you're really just kind of flowing and moving. And, and really that's more how I engage the realm of evangelism now is, is on, on that note. Unless, unless I'm just going out and I'm taking a group of kids or I'm taking people and we're just going for it, then it's just like whoever and, and whoever I see like, Whoever gets within the eye shot of me, I'm going to just probably go interrupt their day and see where it goes. But for the most time now, you know, I, I kind of take that approach, being led by the Spirit. But um, one thing that I like, Jesus says, um, talking about the multitude, it says, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd so I talked about, like, getting God's heart. Like, one, one thing, the opportunities, like, when you really start sharing your faith on a consistent, consistently, you have a lot of opportunities where you get to experience the heart of God for others. And, it, and what it does is it strengthens your understanding of who God is as well. Um, for instance... Lately, I've been spending some time in, in local uh, in bars close to where we live. And, and just being in that environment, like there's a lot of naughty people in there and they're doing naughty things. And so when I go in there, you know, I've, I've made some friends and I'm, I've, I've got a few little disciples I'm working on. So it's really kind of cool and neat. But I'm in there and, and like, you know, like people are like talking with me and 
I'm praying with people, and they're getting healed in the bar, and different, different things are happening. I, this one night, this girl, like, confessing of an adulterous relationship she'd been in, and, like, all this stuff is going on. And, and I'm like, like, my heart's just breaking, you know? And I'm like, God, like, I'm looking around, and I'm like, man, Jesus, you see this all the time, you know? Like, like you see these people, right, and their condition. And, and your eyes are never closed, to their hurts and to, their, to where they are. You know, I live in this world where I don't see this. Like, that's not my norm. You know, like, my, my lifestyle is seemingly opposite to that. And so, but in those moments, like, my heart breaks because I'm like, wow, like, God, you, you see this all the time and you really love these people. And they really are like, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're just like all run, running around hanging themselves. They don't know what to do. They're just like, give me the noose. Give me the noose. Give me the noose. And, that, and, and, they're, and they're just... They're, they're dying and they're, they're miserable, they're depressed, their relationships are bad, everything's all, all messed up. And, you know, I walk away from there, I'm like, God, I'm so thankful that you know, I have a wife that loves me and my home is peaceful and, like, all, these, oh, all this security just in, in what God has given me, you know, and, and it makes me real appreciative. But, but I said all that to say, like, it's moments like that where you get to experience God's love. And, and it may not be in the same capacity for you. That's like kind of a unique thing God's doing with me right now. But just to experience God's heart for people, and it really brings you into a new understanding of who, who the Father is and, and just his view on humanity. There is a really funny story, and I'll tell because I, I like it and it's funny. I've got a few people. I've got this little network of people I work on at the, at the local mall, too. And a lot of these characters are characters, and they don't, they, you know, they're not living for the Lord. And it's some, a lot of them are 20-somethings. I go in there, and I mess with them. I talk with them about Jesus. I encourage them. I'm always prodding them and, and, and just, just giving them little nudges and stuff. And there's this one guy in particular I talk to quite often, and he's a typical 19-year-old boy, not man, <laughs> running around acting like a boy, doing foolish things, you know, being childish, drinking, and smoking pot and doing his thing and trying to run a gauntlet of girls, all these different things. He's got all this, he's real busy, you know, there's three, three, three things he's doing, you know, drinking, working, and trying to get with girls, you know, so that's all he's doing. And I go and talk with him a lot, and, um, and I love on him, and, I, and, and I've been working on him. It's real funny because his dad is Catholic, and I wanna, I'm telling you this because I'll probably never listen to this, but his dad's Catholic, so he has like a real like kind of religious understanding of God. So he's like, yeah, my dad makes me go to confession like twice a month. He's like, I'm always going in there telling the bride. He's like, I tell that priest everything I do. <laughs> I'm like, really? I'm like, well, how's that working out for you? He's like, I just do the same thing every, every, every month. I go in there and say, yeah, smoking pot, slept with this girl, doing this, doing that. And he has me pray these prayers or whatever. And I go back and do it again, just over and over again. And I just laugh and I'm like, uh, listening to him talk about it. So, so he knows my stance. I'm very clear. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, I don't agree with that stuff, you know, but I, I, I present it in a way that's like, dude, guys got something better for you, you know, like this is, there's, there's real life for you, and this is not it. So one time I was, I was going up there to meet with him, or actually I was just walking through the mall, and I saw him, and he was talking with a girl, and I thought, of course he's talking to a girl, you know, it's just, that's him. He's talking to this girl, and I walk up to him like, I'm like, what are you doing, you know, I start messing with him, and that girl's sitting there, and she's got her thumb all wrapped up, like, like big gauze on it. And uh, I'm like, well, you shouldn't be talking to this guy. You know, he's in trouble or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I know him, you know. And um, 
So I asked her about her thumb. I'm like, well, what's going on with your thumb? She's like, well, I smashed it in the car door and had to go to the doctor. They had to drain it. She showed me a few pictures and pretty gross. And I was like, cool. I was like, well, hey, you know, before you leave, I was like, I want, I'd like to pray for your thumb, you know, like God take all the pain out of it and just pray for him. Yeah, that'd be cool. And so, so we're talking, I'm talking to him and I'm talking to her and I'm telling, I'm telling, he's kind of, He's kind of being my advocate. He's like, yeah, he's a good guy over here. You know, he's always, I said, yeah. I said, he's like kind of like my little brother. I said, I don't agree with anything he does, but he knows that I love him. <laughs> and she laughed and he laughed. He's like, well, yeah, you know, he doesn't, but he does love me. And that's the neat thing about it. Like when people know that you love them, like you don't have to, love doesn't look like them, you know. Love loves them like they are, you know. And so he knows I love him, but he knows I don't agree with any of his choices. I say, this guy makes horrible decisions. I'm telling that girl. I was like, but I love him. So it gets to that point where we're going to pray. And I'm like, all right, so i got to go. I'm like, I'm going to pray for your thumb. And I'm kind of giving her a little, I'm doing that whole thing. Well, how, how bad does it hurt? Scale of one to ten. She's like, oh, about an eight. It's pretty bad. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, kind of, and I'm kind of walking her through what's going to happen. And then about that time, he he was sitting on a counter because he was working. He turns around, gets off the counter, plops down, and uh, bows his head and sticks his hand out. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I look at him, like, kind of surprised, you know, because I'm about to pray. I'm not expecting him to pray. He looks at me, he's like, what, man? I just figured if we're going to do this, we're going to do it, you know? So I said, all right, all right, yeah, of course. So I grab his hand, and I'm just about to, like, actually, I was trying to make contact with it if it's appropriate, you know, and so I'm about to grab her hand over here, and as I do, all of a sudden he takes his other hand, and he starts, like, like, like floating around the air like he's about to drop a little lay of, laying of the hands as well, like on her forearm. And so I'm watching all this happen, and I'm like, what's going on, you know? And so he's like, where he knows over here in outer space, kind of floating. He's, <laughs> he's tarrying, right? He's trying to figure out if he's going to do it or not. And he goes, and I'm not going to tell you what he said. I'll just let you imagine, all right? I can't say it in here. I'll get in trouble. My wife would be mad at me. But he goes, he's like, he's like in the valley of, you know, decision. He's like, what do I do? Can I, should I, should I not? Should I, should I not? And he just goes, oh, blank. Blanket, bam, and lays his hand on her forearm. And then I'm like, in the name of Jesus, pain, we command you to go, right? Boom. And all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, well, how is it? And that girl, her eyes got real big, and, he's, and she's like, it, it, ain't, it, ain't hurting. It, ain't, it ain't hurting no more. I said, well, how, how, she's like, it's not hurting at all. And his eyes got big. He's like, whoa. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there thinking, God, if, if, if people only knew some of the things I see, this guy just prefaced his prayer with two of the worst cuss words I've ever heard, laid hands on her with me, and God heals her right in front of his eyes, right? And I'm thinking, wow, like some people wouldn't believe it, you know? And then it's like the scriptures, Samuel, where uh, God tells him, he's like, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And we know that to be true, right? But I'm going to tell you, there's something unique about having the opportunity to see it with my own eyes, right? <laughs> right? When you get to see it, you know, like, because 
that'll become your story. Like, that's the beauty of this, what we're talking about. Like, these are opportunities for you to discover the heart of God in a brand new way. I got to see that because I was willing to go for it, and I've been talking to that guy, and I got to see what love does for somebody. See, what happens when you love somebody is they begin to have confidence. And so he's like, I know I'm a low-down, dirty boy. I know I'm a bad boy, but something in my heart is telling me right now I want to get in on this. And suddenly, because he's been under this umbrella of love, this umbrella of love that I've been, you know, laying over him, he feels confident and empowered in that moment to go for it. He didn't come to Christ yet. He hasn't, like, got the revelation yet. But I'm going to tell you, he's closer today than he was the day before that happened. Right? And God wasn't offended. Believe it or not, he wasn't offended. He was totally okay with it. Totally okay with it. Just bam, did it. And so that, that's the kind of stuff that you get to do. You know, like that'd be your story. I mean, these stories are for you. God's got those stories laid out for you to walk into. Those, those accidental encounters, you know, that seem real accidental, but they're like right on purpose. Another funny story is... Um, since we're telling stories, you guys all right with stories? These are funny. I like how, stories are fun. These are fun. Some of them are really funny. But um, another, another funny story, I had a, I told you guys I've been spending some time in a local bar. So when I go in there, I got a couple, I got a little entourage that goes with me. A couple guys, I'm, I'm discipling and stuff. And, and they're always like, you know, hey, man, I'm sorry if, you know, so-and-so was in there acting kind of like a turd or whatnot. He's an atheist. And I'm like, bro, I don't care. Like, it's good. Like, I came here. I know what's here. Like, if I come in the bar, I'm expecting it. You know, like, I'm not expecting this. I mean, hey, this is your, this is, this is your place in a sense. And it's my place when I walk in there. But, <laughs> right? But, but we're here. It's cool. I'm not offended. And, uh, and I told him very specifically when I said, look, man, you don't have to apologize for anybody. You don't have to feel bad for how anybody treats me. I said, because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to apologize for how I am in there. I was like, bro, when I come in here, I, I told my friend, I said, this is what I'm doing. I said, I'm coming in here to bring the kingdom. And I said, I'm going to love these people. And I said, if there's somebody broken, I'm going to pray for them. If some, and I was like, I said, and I'm not going to apologize. I said, so don't apologize for them and don't apologize for yourself because I ain't going to apologize. I said, you just be you and I'm going to be me. And so we were in there one night and uh, the guy I'm kind of, I'm discipling and, and uh, there was this girl in there. Well, I had got this really weird confrontation with this guy that knew me from high school, and he was really drunk and really apparently atheist. But anyway, after that happened, there was this girl, and she had like an ankle brace on, and she was actually, ironically, she was pretty drunk. She was over at the, the bar actually making out with a guy that I used to know before Christ, so that was kind of odd, too. But anyway, she ends up kind of finding her way over to where I am, and I start talking to her. And we're talking, and I'm like, so what about that ankle, you know? I'm like, what happened? And she's like, oh, you know, I, I fractured it, and the doctor says this and that. And I said, okay. And I was like, so does, it, does it hurt you really bad? And, and about that time, the guy that I was with comes up, and the guy that she had been making out with who knew me pre-Christ, B.C., right? B.C., before Christ. He comes up, and the other guy, and she's standing there, and she's just, you know, they're just kind of listening. And I'm I'm engaging her about her ankle, and I'm like, so does it really hurt? Because I thought she was so drunk it wouldn't hurt. 
you know, I was thinking, she looked like she's so drunk she ain't feeling nothing, you know, but she was, it was hurting, you know, she was like, no, it's hurting really bad, and, and, and then this is what happens, so you got to watch him, he's sneaky, have you ever heard somebody say Jehovah's sneaky, he really can be uh, sneaky sometimes, so she tells me what's wrong, and then I look at her, and I go, you know why I asked you what was wrong with your ankle? She goes, no, I said, because I'm about to pray for your ankle, and God's going to take all the pain out of your ankle right now. And then I thought, OMG, right? What did I just say? Whoa! And not only did I say it in front of her, I said it in front of my buddy from BC and the guy I was with, and she's standing there, and I thought, well, here we go, right? It's like, what, one in the morning? And I'm telling you what, sometimes, have you ever been in this place where, like, God, I know you're here, but where are you? Like, I know you're with me, but, but where are you? You know, like, <laughs> so it's one of those moments, I know you're with me, but where are you moments? So I look at the girl, and I'm like, well, I've said it now. I'm like, I've just vomited out of my mouth, you know, can't pull it back in. It's too late. Can't do anything. So I just look at her, and I bend down. I mean, it, I mean a goosebump would have been, you know, like world-changing at that moment, right? But nothing. So just bend over, right in the middle of the bar. You know, there's people, you know, I'm bending over now. I mean, I've already opened my mouth. In the name of Jesus, you know, bones, I command you to be fused together. Fracture, I command you to be healed. I command your ankle in Jesus' name to be made whole. Pain, I command you to go right now. So... How's your ankle? She starts rocking that thing in that boot. <laughs> and I'm like, like, can I get some feedback? She's just rocking it. And my buddies are looking. And the guy I'm with, he's like, and she's like, I, she's like, I, uh, I feel like all this fluid is draining out of my ankle right now. I'm like, Really? <laughs> Whew. All right. And they're looking, and, 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 and my buddy's like, yeah, sure does look like you're, uh, you're walking on that thing pretty good. She said, oh, I am. I said, well, does it hurt? You know, I'm still searching for that. <laughs> does it hurt? She's like, it doesn't hurt at all. And I'm like, huh, praise God. You know, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, my other buddy, that BC, that was really, really tanked up, he's like, man, they all start praising God in there. All of a sudden, they're like, well, man, I'm a believer. She, oh, I'm a believer, too. She's rocking that down. I'm a believer. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And, oh, I love me some Jesus. And I, I'm not, for the next two minutes, there was, like, spontaneous praise. And I'm just standing there like, whew, thank you, Lord. And I'm just watching them, like, suddenly... In that place, in the belly of the beast, I'm like, I'm right in the belly of the beast, right? People are getting touched by God, and all of a sudden, the drunkards are praising God. You know, like, it's just like, I'm just watching it happen. And, um, and you know, that, you know, and that was another, that was a fun, that was a fun thing that happened, right? And, it, and it's like, it's so funny, because it's like, it's like, if you could elbow the devil, like, any harder, it would be like in those moments. It's like, oh, my bad, uh uh-huh. Right here, in this your party? Oh, I didn't, you didn't invite me. I didn't get the invitation, but I'm here now, so don't worry about it. I made it, you know, like, right? 
<laughs> how many times, right? How many times are you, how many times is like you just tell the devil, I didn't get the invitation, but don't worry, I made it, I found it, I'm here. Oh, yeah, I didn't know. Glad. You know, sometimes I, something cool happens, I'll say, I'm awake, are you? It's like, good morning, you know, I'm here, hey. It's a good day. Two people got healed this morning, even 930. We're going to have fun today, you know, and it's like, I'm awake, you know, I'm alive. And so, are you guys feeling inspired? You think you, you can do this? I mean, you really can. It's, you've, you're probably even thinking now, I'm sure some of you have even thought, remembering or reflecting on a moment that may have passed you by or an opportunity that came and went. You know, but the, the good thing is, God will give you a new opportunity. He is faithful and he, is, he has a supply of opportunities for you. you know? He has all these opportunities for you to, to do this stuff. So don't beat yourself up and don't even worry about it. I guarantee you probably tomorrow you're going to have a new opportunity. If you dare to go to the store tonight, you may have that opportunity tonight. You're going to, I'm going to tell you, you will, they're, going to, they're going to create themselves. Moments will create themselves and it will be, be uh, your choice whether or not you choose to step into it. But I'm telling you, it's your story. You know, It's your opportunity. And, it, and it's for you to do. And it's fun. It's F-U-N. It is not boring. It is so fun to see God touch people in the middle of a bar, and then all of a sudden they're all praising God. I mean, that was fun. It was really fun. I, I mean, the other night I, I took the same guy, and we went to this other bar because he's a stand-up comedian. And the first 15 minutes we were in his car, him and the other comedian and this girl, all they were doing was talking about Jesus, and I was just sitting there. None of them were believers, Really? Let's just say they're not walking in the inheritance of the kingdom, okay? And I'm sitting there, and they're like 15 minutes strong, just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then finally, the one guy's like, hey, we're going to have to stop talking about Jesus because I'm a pervert for my stand-up comedy act, and i got to get into right, the framework that I'm going to be presenting. Literally. And I looked at them and was like, bro, I didn't say nothing. You're the ones that have been talking. I didn't say a word. Right? And then... And then they proceeded to play some of the worst rap music I'd ever heard. But I felt like I was in a Bethel concert, worship, three-day worship intensive. Every time they said the F word, I went into another ecstasy with the Lord. I thought, by the time we get to this bar, they're going to have to drag me out of this car because I am so gone on Jesus right now. And it was like, God was like, I just want to touch them. And I'm going to, you know, what did Jesus say? He told Nathaniel, he said, you think word of knowledge is cool? He was like, bro, you're about to see angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. He was like, there's about to be an elevator going on right here. This is Jacob's ladder. And so I'm in the backseat of that car, and it's just like, whoa, heaven's invading, right? Heaven's invading, and heaven's touching them, and they're, they're in their zone, and I'm in the zone. And, and God's doing stuff in the spirit, you know, because I know I didn't ride alone. I know I don't go places alone. I may not always be aware of what's happening, but I know I'm not alone. So it's fun. It's your opportunities. Remember, these are opportunities for you. And your life will never be the same again. It'll change the way you think about people and the way you think about life. But know this, it's for the better. It, it doesn't take away from who you are as a, as a child of God. It only, it only enhances the experience, you know. 
If, if you begin to find this as a comfortable place for you, it will, you know, it, it'll, it's going to enhance the relationship. So something I think Paul wanted to do or w- wanted me to do too. Yeah, we're going to do some impartation. We're going to do some impartation, uh, prayer, and a little laying of the hands. Now I'm going to tell you, the power is going to be what you do when you leave here. Because, I mean, I could lay, really, because I got, the, the real power is how you believe, you know. And, and, and my, my big prayer for you is that, that it not only challenged the way you thought about it, but it also, you felt encouraged and inspired to make changes. You know, if, if there's areas of your life where you feel like the Holy Spirit was highlighting that you feel empowered to give it a shot, you know. Because it's not all glorious, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just happen. You don't just, it's not like you just, like every time it happens, it's perfect. There's been a lot of times that it felt very awkward and weird when I did it. But it didn't negate the fact that it was still the right thing to do, and it was still what God was, was saying to do in that moment. One of the most valuable pieces of information I ever received was from my father-in-law, and it was during that time frame I always went out and we're telling three people about Jesus. He was like, because he was real inspired. He was like, well, how did it go today? And I said, man, it, it, it felt like I just hit brick walls everywhere I went. I said it didn't feel like I was just hitting walls. And he looked at me, and he, this is all he said. It was like the most profound thing. He looked at me, and he said, somebody's got to hit the wall. And, I, I mean, that has stuck with me for, for six years seven years, you know, like somebody has to hit the wall, you know, are you okay with being the person that hits the wall sometimes, like do you always have to be there for the the touchdown, do you have to score the winning point, or can you just hit the wall, you know, Um, if you're not willing to hit the wall, you'll probably never see the touchdown exactly, because but I'm going to tell you, the touchdowns make the walls worth it, you know, because you see a big picture. And it's like, God, I don't care if it's me. I just want them to catch a little of you. And I, I think about, like, a rock, you know, like, like Francis, or whatever that guy's name is. Francis Chan says, you know, like, eternity is this long. We have this much time. I always think, like, when a rock hits the water, I'm like, I want, my life is that rock. I want to make ripples, you know. I want to know that my life made an impact on the world around me. Like, it doesn't have to look like anybody else, but I want to know that I, that I want to know that I bled this thing out, that I laid my heart out there, that I wasn't, that I was willing to take risk, that I was willing to look like a fool, that I was willing to, to just give it what I had, you know, to see a bigger picture. And, um, and, and so that's how I want to live my life, and that's how I live it. And I don't always get it right, but I keep pressing toward the high call of God, right? I don't, I just keep walking. And so that's an encouragement, you know, like you want your life to, you want to make ripples, you know. We only get one shot. So we're here for this time frame, and um, this is what God's called us to do. So I think it, 